come from a uh, very, very Hasidish home. I'm the father of Kalein Hara. Uh, we have a large family, Baruch Hashem. A bunch of special children, every single one of them is amazing in his own way. And um, I come from a Satmar family. A very, very strong Hasidish family. And um, I have Baruch Hashem, an unbelievable, unbelievable wife, who is an amazing girl. And uh, we started our lives basically doing the best we can, raising the kids in the best way that we understood, putting them to the best yeshivas that we thought. Um, we have kind of seven boys, and uh, we have a couple of girls. So, um, and uh, I worked very, very hard at making sure because all the boys were. Can I know they came one after the other every year and after every two years? And before I knew it, I had. Five boys who needed to know how to daven and needed to know how to learn, and uh, naturally I jumped into the task with both feet. And uh, I was known as the father who sat with his five cute little boys, one after the other, sitting in front of me and davening. And everybody would say, "Wow, look at that family! Look how they daven! Look at these kids daven!" Naturally, I sat there making sure that nobody missed a single word, and I had to be careful because there'll be another kid coming next year, and if I didn't. Uh, I didn't make sure that this kid would skip, and the other kid would be skipping the word already. So I had to make sure that everybody said every single word by the avenue. And I was very proud, and they all used to march home with me nicely, perfect row. They were exactly a few inches shorter, every one from the other. And they went to yeshiva, and um, all of a sudden, my oldest child, my oldest son, uh, began to have problems in school. He wasn't happy. He was um, getting into a lot of fights. And... Um, of course, he had an incredible bar mitzvah with the payas and the hat and the family, and it was wonderful. And uh, um, also, my father was a very chashavid, and um, I wanted to make sure that my oldest son would live up exactly to every dream that he had the ch- child should look like. Obviously, I did not fulfill all those dreams because, first of all, I speak English, so that that already was a scary part. That already was very frightening. So I really tried to make sure that my that my son would uh, do at least do the best he can to satisfy my father, maybe be that son for my father that I wasn't. But I was a good enough son. I mean, you're talking about... Uh, I wear Stramel, by the way. So, and the Bekicher. And um, I have very, very Choshev this big, big Yichas, and so on. And um, I began to realize that, the, that my son is, is, is uh, doing things which were scary. I mean, first of all, I didn't put $100 into the tomb because he liked money and I, I, um, I didn't want to take the risk. But the truth is, had I put the $100 into the film bottle, I would not have lost it. In a couple of months, it would still have been there because the film was no longer an issue by him. And that was the most frightening thing in the world because we grew up that you could do anything in the world that you want. You could do anything in business that's not appropriate or anything as long as you put on film every day. And if you missed film one time in your life, then there is a shit that you no longer, you can no longer go to Edom Haba of the Galaidan and here. I had a son which I knew that had the twin issues every once in a while. So I couldn't even see straight from that point on because I, I really, I was very, very frightened. He's not putting on films, so what comes next and what's going to be with the boy right afterwards and the boy afterwards and the boy afterwards. So I reacted very, very difficult in the beginning. I was very, very strict and I tried to close a door on a, do- on a, on a place that there was no, it was just a doorway. There was no door anymore. And I still kept thinking there was a door. And um, Baruch Hashem, the Rabbi Hashem helped me. I met this other 
amazing young man who, uh, interestingly enough, was the son of a very, very Hashem Rosh Hashiva in Brooklyn, very famous Rosh Hashiva. And this guy was introduced to me by somebody else, and he tells me a very interesting thing. He has a 13-year-old kid who was by mitzvah half a year ago, and the, the strangest thing in the mind, and he says he tried to wake up the kid recently, and the kid is not saying, what do you want? And he says, I want you to go daven. And he says, look, I'm really not interested. Not interested? What is not interested? How could, what do you mean, 13 and a half, you're not interested? He says, I'm telling you right now, you want to hit me, you want to... Well, do what you want. I'm not going there. I don't understand this old film business. I'm not doing it. And if, it, if I was to tell you, if you think that I'm Hasidish, he was 20 times the Hasidish that I was. And here, you obviously, you have an obvious problem. It's a 13 and a half year old kid. What's going on over here? What is happening? So we, we had the mazel because this guy was very well connected. And he went ahead and he put on, he made a phone call to a very Hasidish in Yishlam. We both got on the phone. And um, he starts telling the story to the Hasidish. And I don't want to say because this is a psag din that, that he gave to us on the telephone and I don't want to really say, say even though I'm a thousand percent that the psag din goes for every single child that has the same issue and um, the, he starts telling the story of a 13 and a half year old boy and, and his twin and he's not and this he doesn't let him finish and he says Potter Potter I'm, I'm listening from the other side of the telephone I can't believe this he's saying Potter film how could a 13 and a half year old be Potter the day you become Bar Mitzvah, that day you become, you immediately change. If you notice the kid, if you look at him real close, that Marav, you look at him in the next morning, he's a totally different kid. He has a mustache and a beard, and he's completely, he became in one night, he changed and he became a totally different human being. So, I'm being sarcastic, by the way. And uh, he said, Potter, and then I started, I, I thought maybe he wasn't clear. So I said, look, I have a 16-year-old, and I, and, and I start telling him a story about it. He says, I said, Potter, Kagazak Potter. And then he explained to us that, look, you know, there are kids that grow, grow up later. 13 years old is a guideline, naturally. You've got to do it. You've got you to start at a certain point. And most kids could start. But if a kid doesn't start to go ahead and to destroy yourself and the, and the life because of the film, at this point, is the wrong thing to do. And that we should look into the rest of it. There is a reason why a kid doesn't put on film. And it has nothing to do with him not wanting to put the straps around his hand because, obviously, from the moment he doesn't put on those films, He's an outcast in every part of his life. He's an outcast with his friends. He's an outcast with his family. And uh, there's nothing fun about not putting on film, by the way. So, Baruch Hashem, once I had that thing, from that point on, we started looking into, into things. And um, the film, as we suspected, was just the beginning. It was just a little indication of what was to come. And what came were, one after the other, the most difficult things. The most difficult things that you can possibly imagine. And the Rabbi gave us seichel, both myself and my wife, and we happened to happened to daven in, in the in the in the uh, in the shul where daven's next to me, a very chashuva young therapist who somehow is a malach. And I would go to him every I would I would go every Shabbos morning, and I would go with a question. Um, I'd, I, what do I do now? If he says this, how do I answer? And I realized that the whole chenek that I had been with. And that worked 90, works for 99% of the people, but for the other for the other 65%, it doesn't work. So <laughs> anyway, that's uh, I, I once heard that um, five out of four people have problems with fractions. So I'm 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 one of those I'm one of those guys. Anyway, and um, so I, I uh, the 65% need need help. There is there is a whole new door out there right now that somehow 
are, are suffering from this, this new uh, they're suffering from this, this new problem which I call um, if I would write a book about it it would be called Your Neighbor's Children Are Amazing, Aren't They? And basically what it is is that we all live among people who seem to have the most amazing children. First of all, I want you to know that on this, as an aside, that's not true. There are just some people who are amazing at hiding things, as they're amazing at hiding everything else. The last thing in the world, they feel that what they have to do is they really have to shepherd their child along until they're 20, 21, 22. And you know something? A 25-year-old that doesn't put on film, nobody has a problem with it. Nobody has a problem with a guy who lives in the neighborhood and doesn't... Doesn't, never shows up, never davens. Nobody knows that he doesn't daven. Only his poor wife knows. Nobody else knows about it. So, um, but a 14-year-old, it's interesting. We know a lot, don't we? We could tie up the film. We could put $100 bills. We, could, we have ways of finding out very easily and very, very cheaply whether our kid is putting on film or not. Anyway, so at that point, it's obviously a kid who is, who is looking for an, in a whole different area. And, um, and Baruch Hashem, we closed, we closed uh, our arms around him and we gave him amazing love again and again and again and I want you to know that when we started giving the love it, was, it would have been easy if from that point on everything would have turned out to be amazing and perfect the problem was this was just the absolute beginning and from that point on everything went down the tube and this love was tested again and again and again and again to tell you I'll give you a uh, I'll, just, I'll just fast forward to the last I'll fast forward to one of the interesting things that happened the last, uh, one of the last things that happened. I was walking on a Friday night from shul, and um, I'm a pretty popular guy, and I had a Hashem, and I had an entourage with me. A whole bunch of people came home with me, all walking with our shramlech, very excited. We're going to sing Shalom Aleichem. And as I'm ready to go into my house, all of a sudden, the van, there's a van full of kids, which my son is driving, and all of a sudden, all, the, all my friends and all these people with the perfect children are looking at me and they're saying, and they're saying to each other, I see they, they became pale. And I turn around and I see, guess who? It's my son driving the car. So the bunch of them helped me. I walked over to the car and um, I said, can I have a hug before you go? And he gave me this very, very big hug. And I have to tell you, he was wearing cut-off jeans. I don't know if you know what cut-off jeans are. They're not classy. Their jeans are cut off around the knee and they have all kinds of um, strings hanging from them. And they, a cut-off T-shirt, that's when the T-shirt, which is short enough, but they rip off that little piece of sleeve, is also ripped off because it doesn't show off, show off enough muscle. And the car was full with boys and girls. And I had them introduce me to every single person in the car. You know, and everybody's smoking and everybody's very, very happy. But as soon as I came to the car, naturally, they were kind of nervous. But I said I made sure that I knew the name of everybody. And I told them all to make sure that my son drives carefully, that he shouldn't hurt himself. And... Um, and he drove off, gave me a big hug and a kiss, and he drove off. When I turned around, there was very few people left, because uh, some of those neighbors of mine that didn't have the guts, they couldn't imagine how I was going to survive this, and how they would survive this. So they left, they ran away. The few people that were there gave me like one of these real quiet gichabases, and um, they went. I will tell you that if I could trace, my son is a married young man today with an amazing family, an amazing, responsible person, Baruch Hashem. He's a tzaddik in his, in, in his own right. He has um, incredible... We have a son who, who's, gonna, who's, who's younger than him, who's going to sit and learn all his life, Mr. Hashem, if that's what he wants to do. I'm going to love him either way, I promise you. Um, 
this big son of mine, is old Kasa, keeps talking about how the two of us can support him. So that he should be able to marry any, any Khashiba girl that comes along, whether she has, whether she could help support or not, so we should be able to support him. And um, I will tell you that that Shabbos, that Friday night, I believe, that last Friday night, was the, the turning point. It was the turning point in his life because he probably walked away from there. And he said, you know, my father loves me. There is no question about it. There is no, no ifs, ands, buts. And Baruch Hashem, I am so proud of him today. He's a 25-year-old young man. And uh, as, I, as I said before, and as I'll say, I always say, we were too concerned about raising healthy 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. And we, we, don't, we don't take care, we don't care enough about the 30-year-olds. Because let me tell you something. I've seen a couple of people have problems with their 30-year-olds. That's a 30-year-old that has four kids already. And, and when the problems start coming out at that point, and not, they're usually not film, because film is not an issue at that time. They're usually drugs and all kinds of horror things, which unfortunately there's no way to hide at that point. You, at that point, you can't make it good anymore. At that point, a hug is not enough. Although you still have to do it. Although if, if you came to me with a 30-year-old like that, again, I would tell you, dedicate a night to him, get close to him, because the only one, the only one that could save a child, the only one is a father. The only one. A mother has a different role, a totally different role. I'm speaking purely now about a father's role. The father is the only one who really has the kayak, and, and, the, and it's his job. It's his job. It's amazing. I once heard, an amazing, you know, of course, um, and I heard this when, I was, when the kids were 16, 17, of course, it would not have had the impact on me that it has today. So I don't want to make believe that this desire would have made an incredible impact on me at that time, but... It was nice to hear, I heard from a very big, big Yid that he's brought down in Kabul and I, and I didn't get a Mara Mukham for it because if I did, I would take this Mara Mukham and I would poster it all over, all over the world. I would spend money on posters that before the Ban Shum sends down on the Shuma, then Shuma doesn't really doesn't want to come down here. And um, it's all kinds of, there obviously is no choice because every Nishuma wants to stay up and we're usually we're Gulgulim and we usually would love to do anything that we could somehow be masakin up there with whatever it'll take, but not to come up here and open the book up again and see maybe we're gonna we're gonna do something that we maybe we'll be be mechanical something that we didn't do before. So one of the deals that's made with the neshama is that the neshama you have to go down, but you can choose. At this point, with the emes that you have, because the neshama is connected at that point to an amazing emes, and look around the whole world and look at the family, look at the father and mother who you believe will best serve your objective, and the neshama spends the time, or whatever it does, and it finds and it says, and it points with the finger, and it says, that's the place. That is the family. That's the father and the mother. That's the only two people with their unique set of problems and their unique set of issues that can solve me and can help me become what I need to become. So, here's the scoop. We didn't choose them. They chose us. They chose us. They saw us, and they trusted us, and they came down here with all their packages. They're not coming down here to, to live the life to make us proud, to make us look amazing for our neighbors. They're coming down here basically for a ticket, and they chose us, and they trusted us. And they're expecting us to do it. And we're going to do it. One by one, we're going to do it. We're going to be massacring these neshamas. We're going to make them happy, and we're going to give them the courage to become great 35-year-olds, and 40-year-olds, and 45-year-olds. An interesting occurrence. Um, a child comes home, you once, you once make his bed, and he's not home. And you pick up his mattress, and you find four magazines. You find 
magazines, and interestingly enough, the date, naturally the first thing you want to do is you want to see which date. What's the date? Is it an old thing? Is it something that somebody he may have found in a garbage can? Is it hopefully something that's from a couple of years old that he found in a bag somewhere and so on? And guess what? It's current. Current stuff. Current issues. Um, some magazines that the covers of these magazines, like you wouldn't even know how you could, coming from where we come from, we, we would be totally embarrassed. To, to We couldn't even imagine somebody paying us um, $1,000. Could you walk in and buy this magazine, walk out and give this to me? And I don't think we would pass that test because we would be totally embarrassed for where we come from and so on. And all of a sudden you find this. And you find this in your child's room. And um, it's a punch in the stomach because all of a sudden it's a young child and uh, we all hope that this is one of the biggest hopes that we have as parents is that please, Rabbi don't let him be exposed until he's ready. I don't know what ready is. I don't know if you're ever ready for this kind of stuff, but you definitely don't want him to be exposed to issues that would affect because any any issue, any any photo, any subject matter that comes under a certain age like this is a molestation. Now, we talk about people, children being molested by, by God forbid, by an adult, by a person who's not well, by whatever... And we think that only that's a molestation. Where if a child at 13 or 14 is sent by his father while the father is idling in the car to buy a pack of cigarettes, and while the kid's buying a pack of cigarettes, he's, he's uh, online and um, he sees the, cover, the covers of some of these issues, that's it. The kid's molested. You send him a, you send him a pack of cigarettes, it's molested because we are all conditioned. The, the bunchline put into us this, this, this drive that one day we're going to get married and we're going to make our families and so on and so forth. So obviously, it's hardwired into our system. And we were not supposed to see this before a, certain, before a certain age. And all of a sudden, we have a kid that's exposed to just covers in a regular, in a regular cigarette store that, that uh, it's a real molestation. We don't run to therapists because we, we don't realize that, um, we don't realize that that's, that's, it's a molestation. Baruch Hashem, the Rabbani helps some kids. So obviously, the Rabbani Shalom, he doesn't give us what we can't handle. And for some strange reason, luckily enough, we live in good neighborhoods. And most of the bus stops and most of the buses are good. And most of our children never get to see any of this stuff. And most of us don't have televisions. By the way, I don't have a television. I never did. And um, why? I don't know. I wanted my kids to know how to play uh, basketball and other things that, that uh, would... Uh, would hopefully give them uh, reasons to go outside and to play with friends and so on. As you see, it didn't help. But uh, I tried. So, getting back to, to, to this, this uh, molestation, we have to start considering that some of these kids that are going to see that at 13, at 14, at 15, that's it. The kid's molested. The kid is ready to, to go on, on, a, on a discovery. They're ready to go on, 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 a, on a tour to try to find out about life. And it's, it's too bad. It's too bad that Mr. and Mrs. Nice Guy, Mr. and Mrs. Hasidish Guy, Mr. and Mrs. Classy Guy, Mr. and Mrs. Yeshiva Guy, it's too bad that it's too bad that, we, that, that it happened to us, but it happened to us. And from the moment it happens to us, we go into a new shlav, a new, a, new, a new stage of life, a stage that, you know, it says by Rivki about Telech that they had this problem. Every time Rivki passed by uh, house of, a house of Bismedrish, she felt all kinds of kicking. Somebody was trying to get out, and then all of a sudden, she passed by a house of a worship of of, of uh, Rahman, the son of idols. Somebody was trying to get out. She at that time, at that moment, didn't know it was twins. She said, "What's going on? I have this very, very strange kid." 
So what she did was she went to Lidushas Hashem. She went to try to find out. Well, when your child, when you become aware, from the day that you become aware that your child has been affected by what we call one of these molestations, from that point on, you have to go and find out how to deal with it. Because from that point on, it's going down. Yes, you may have had a kid who may have looked at that and thought it was some kind of an industrial magazine. And you're lucky. Some kids will just look by it, but some kids from that point on are going to know it's there. They're going to seek out the friends, and, and it's okay. The fact that this could happen shows that the Rundschlem is expecting us to figure out a way how to deal with it. It's all right. But there are ways to deal with it. And we have to find out, and you have to run to a professional at that time and say, look, my son is aware. He's 14, he's 15. What does this mean? What does it mean? Just find out what it means. What's the next step? What should I be on the lookout for? What should I be careful about? Anyway, getting back to the four magazines, well, guess, guess what? Um, naturally, your first, your first uh, uh, impetus is to go out and just get crazy. And magazines, come on, until now it was film. Magazines, what's, how are we going to do with, with magazines? And a clear yid once said to me something, which, which, I, which is not easy, but it's, it's the first step. 24 hours is a great, great time to take a, to take a back seat. Nothing drastic changes in 24 hours, Baruch Hashem. So for 24, especially in the child's life, 24 hours is such a short time. So you and your spouse, hopefully you see eye to eye in these things. And usually the woman is going to be much more shocked about this stuff. She's going to be much more terrified about what does this mean. And, and uh, so I think the woman is the one that needs much more chizik at that time. And for 24 hours, you lock arms and you lock souls and you decide not to react. And for those 24 hours, you find out because your response, your first response to this molestation, okay, and we keep calling it a molestation, the first response is the critical response that's going to affect everything from now on. Forget about his life and the way he sees his family and his wife and his kids later on. It's going to affect what his next behavior is going to be. It's going to affect whether he has to take this and bury it so far down that you, you never ever in your life shall ever find anything again. And uh, God forbid, where will he have to go in order to indulge these this, this growing new fantasy that he's never, he's never seen and that obviously he cannot talk to you about, and so on. And, um, and the guilt at that point that he has that he saw this and obviously he doesn't feel very cool about it. And uh, there have been these subtle hints coming through at Yeshiva, the Gresh Tavaira in the Welt. And once this Tavaira happens, you're finished, you're done with it. You can never go into Elam Haber. You can never, you got to be very careful because at that point, it will start affecting all the other mitzvahs, because imagine, if, if this is so terrible that he saw this magazine and that he's interested, and that, they, that obviously his heart and soul is so evil that he has an interest in a cheshik to, to continue looking into this, what kind of a, why should he put on film? What kind of a, who wants this person's film? Who wants his learning? Who wants anything from him? So you're talking about an event which is apocalyptic when such a thing happens, and, and many people's first tendencies is, please God, let's make believe it didn't happen. Let's throw the magazines away. Let's... Make sure that he can never talk to any of his friends again from now on. We'll just lock him into the room until he's 21. And then we'll find him a call immediately and go straight from the house to the chuppah. And then thank God that night he goes home and he doesn't come back to us and we don't have to deal with this anymore. Or other wise things that are, I mean, this is the wisest thing that I just mentioned. Of course, there are, there are things that are less wise as, uh, I'm being cynical again, I'm sorry. Anyway, so... Baruch Hashem, 24 hours went by. After 24 hours, I felt, hey, I'm a human also. Um, I'm worried about the fact that the issues were current, but who knows, maybe there are some other explanations. And the Rebbe gave us the Seichel, and um, 
It was my job, as I said before, it was not my wife's job, it was my job to sit down and talk to my son 24 hours later. Obviously, the magazines were missing. Obviously, the 24 hours was enough for him to be aware that something took place. Some, some change happened over here, and obviously, at that point, he's watching you very, very, very carefully because he knows something happened. He's not sure what, and those 24 hours... With, uh, with Azana Kaitan, which means with chains, you've got to make sure that you are very cool and loving, no matter how much you would love to just twist his neck, God forbid. Um, but, but he's watching you. And then when you've gone through the 24 hours, I'll tell you what we did when we were lucky with that. Is we took a walk, and um, maybe should be an opportunity to switch it off here, because uh, I'm going to tell you something that not a lot of people over here would um, maybe agree with, but this is what I did, and Baruch it worked. I took him for a walk, and I said to him like this, I said, I want you to know that the Baruch gave us an amazing gift. He gave us personal relations, which is a gift for, for a couple to share. And um, I told him that um, the most be- one of the most beautiful things that you will enjoy in your life is, is to be with your wife. And... Um, it's something to look forward to. It's one of the most amazing, amazing, amazing things that happens and one of the most amazing things to look forward to. But there's a couple of pitfalls. One of the pitfalls is that there are magazines that, that um, idealize uh, the shape of a human being in such a way that nobody, nobody ever can live up to those photos. Nobody can. Those photos, by the way, are airbrushed, most of them. They're not, re- they're not even real and so on, which kids don't understand, but they're not real. They're... And if a person chooses to indulge in, these, in this kind of magazines and this kind of stuff before he meets his, is the person that he's going to spend his life with, that person will never, never be able to measure up to that. And unfortunately, he robs himself of, of an opportunity to enjoy life in a way which is one of the most, the most biggest gifts. And I went as far as to say, and uh, I said that your mother and I have the greatest relationship, and we, we love each other very, very much, and... Um, we look forward to, to being able to spend time together, and it's okay. It's all right. It's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's one of God's gifts, but when you're young now, and there's not much you can indulge. You can't indulge this right now, so you will, you will find these challenges and so on, but I'm asking you for your own sake. Try not to try at that point. You can't say, don't you dare, because don't you dare, you could stand on your head at that point. Try not to indulge yourself in these, in these areas, because... You know, you will you will rob yourself of a future which which will be it will be sad. And I will tell you that my son put his arm around me, and he said to me in a very gentle way. He says, "You should know, I didn't buy those. I had a car service driver, Russian car service driver, who drove me home. And for some strange reason, he it went into his zengegang in Leiden." May, it bothered him that I didn't see magazines like this, so he gave me magazines. Imagine. That's why those issues were current. Some chayirullah, some, some person who should be in jail, went ahead and handed my son a bag that had four current issues of a, of a magazine. What, is, what do we want from these kids? Like what, what do we expect? You know, what, what, was, what was he supposed to do at, at, at that age? Supposed to turn to the guy and say, Foy, get this away from me. How foy? It's an adult has just shared some amazing material with him and has shared a secret of what it's like to be an adult. So there we go. Once again, once again, the kid 
is, is placed into a situation, and um, the reaction of us as parents at that point determines where the rest of his life is going to go in this union. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. The Baruch Hashem help Vaiter because we never know in, in, in these issues things God forbid, can change. The Yitzhahara is on us every single day. Baruch Hashem. Kids happily married. The Baruch Hashem shall help Vaiter. Shalom Shalom Baiz. And he's a wonderful life with his wife. And Baruch Hashem, once again, and, and that, that turned out to be the right, the right answer. We, we, Baruch Hashem, speak to him about this. And I'm saying so many times, Baruch Hashem, because I'm afraid, I'm not, I, I don't want you, I don't want anybody to get this uh, kind of feeling that, that uh, I know what I'm doing and that I have some kind of a formula. I don't have a formula. The only formula that I have is that if something happens, if an event takes place from that point on, we look at that event as something that took place in life, and we have to deal with it. Of course, we would like to turn the clock back. Of course, it would be best if they would learn until, until the last moment, until they go to their chuppah, and they discover life beautifully the way God intended for us to discover it. But if it doesn't work that way, we are responsible at that point to step in and help our child reach the next level and not perpetuate and frighten him that from here on in, his life is going to be one set of mikveh, one set of tillim uh, um, about himself, one constantly be broken, that he's a nothing and a nothing, because 15, 16 year olds that are nothing, can boy, oh boy, can they become something? You've got to be very, very careful with a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old who's convinced that he's a nothing. He will prove, he will go out of his way to make sure, to prove to you that he's such a something that you will never think about anything else. I'm being asked how how does one deal with a child that's beginning to show uh, that he's what's called slipping. It's funny, you know. I, I I'm not sure that the kid's slipping. I'm sure the kid's beginning to do what he's supposed to do. The kid's beginning to grow, but he's growing in that direction first. But he's beginning to show movement. <laughs> so um, when a child begins to show successive uh, successive uh, steps of of, uh, of what's called slipping where he's starting to get interested in girls and he's more interested in, in the way his hair looks and he's starting to smoke and all these other different steps I mean there are all kinds of steps of course smoking is an amazing kind of rebellion smoking is definitely um, something which is uh, definitely shows a kid that's not afraid to smoke has already crossed certain lines that you're not even aware of. Otherwise, where would he have the courage to smoke? Where would he have the courage to, to spend time with kids that smoke? And usually kids that are smoking at a young age, obviously they're all rebellious. And if they're all rebellious, they're not just talking about, about Rishonim when they get together and um, various mices of the Balsham Tov and so on. They're obviously talking about many, many other things besides the quality of the tobacco. So... You know, there are all kinds, of, uh, all kinds of systems. Obviously, I'm going to talk about the worst-case scenario. I'm not going to talk about the kid who's going to this great school, has great friends, um, is wealthy that his parents can somehow buy every Narishkeit and buy every friend for him and everything that he needs in order to be able... First, frankly, I don't know if it works. I don't think it does, but I'll give that the benefit of the doubt. Maybe some people have more the capability of, of, of buying their way out of certain issues and certain problems. But I'll take, I'll take a scenario where it's not something that you, can, that you seem to be able to, to stop. It's not something that you can 
stop him from smoking, that you can stop him from getting dressed up in a certain way where you know that there's obviously girls that are involved and so on. If the girl is a major issue, ready for a big shock? You may want to turn this off right now. Invite the girl home. Invite her home. Make sure that this friendship takes place in your home. You want to worry about the other children? We'll talk about the other children in a minute. But if you want to have a chance to save this kid who is obviously interested in girls and, and is going to be hiding this from you and God forbid get involved in, in sorrows which, which really are, are which as, as I like to say, sorrows that hugs no longer do anything for. Hugs and kisses don't solve those sorrows anymore. You have to intervene. You have to, you have to look aside and you have to try to get close to this new couple that you're really not interested in. But look, he sought out female company. Your son sought out female company. Your son seeks out female company. Become a part of it. Become a part of it. Like, you know, don't, you don't have to say, wow, what a great thing. You're 15, 16 years old and you have your own girlfriend. Obviously, we're not talking about that. But, and, you know, encourage the fact that you're there, that you love him, and that it's your friend, and you want to meet, you want to meet his friend. And I will even show for them places. Most of the time, these, these things will drop. And this sounds extraordinarily radical, what I'm saying right now. I know that. But, frankly, I've seen many people struggle with these issues. And I don't really see, I have not seen another idea. We're talking about a, a boy who has, obviously, some kind of a relationship with a girl. And it's obviously a lot more physical than you can even imagine at that point. Unfortunately, our kids, because of what's going on in, the te in television and, and books and magazines and what's out there, they're trying things at a much earlier age. Much, 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 much before Lakewood. And much before Beis Yaakov Seminary in Yerushalayim, unfortunately. And, uh, and as, as again, Khalil of, of course, 99% of the kids go to Lakewood and they go to Beis Yaakov. It's just the other 65% that I'm talking about that don't wind up in Lakewood and so on. And um, So, you, you have to become a part of this kid's life in a nice way. Not, 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 not in a way where you're, 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 you're overlooking. Just really, really enjoy his life. Hey, you know. It's a 16-year-old. He's, he's, he's wonderful. He, he's, he's your son. He's somebody that you're really supposed to love and somebody that if you do give him the love, what an investment. What you're going to get back from him in your later years, just he will remember. The, all these all Meshagas will pass. They always do, by the way. I don't know if you want to look back. They pass. Those little, the problems that they have somehow, the reason why we passed is because some of the Rundishlin protected us in those days and our parents either didn't understand as much and... And it never affected us that bad. And Hashem, we all got married and we all moved forward, most of us, and we did, you know. Over here, what's happening is we're, 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 very, we're, we're reacting in a crazy way and alienating these kids. And, and there are kids have where to go today. Kids have where to go to, to, to find other There's a lot of other kids that are stuck like this. And, and, and uh, they can walk away for a few years. And what those years will cost, will cost life. It'll cost... You, your life. Forget about your kid, of course. It'll cost them. It'll cost you. You never, you could never, 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 never walk away and make believe that you can close your eyes and that you had a kid, but that kid is no longer religious, so he's not part of your life. There's no such a thing. Forget about the fact that the, the Torah is full of Rebbe Kiva, and then you can imagine what a Rebbe Kiva, what an amazing 17, 18-year-old he must have been. I mean, this is radical. I, I can't, uh, it's, it's, it's fearsome to say it, but... 
I don't know. Is there a Gemara that says that Rabbi Kiva described what he felt like the first 40 years every time he saw the Tamachachim pass by? Oh, I'm sure he put on film, and I'm sure he kept, um, he kept what's the name, Shmura Matzah and everything. But he just had it in for Tamid Rechumim. He just went every saw. There was 39. 39, 40. 40 years old he was when it finally happened. And it's like the Gemara keeps on showing us all these, these you know, it's like we keep saying it's, it can't be. You know, Rabbi Kiva must have been, he must have been an amazing, oh, do you know what he was? He had a gartel. And he did Sadiq Aleph Twins, 91 Twins, you know, the Bugmatri Hashem Avai and Hashem Adna together. You see, I told you I have math, I know math. And um, he, was, he was probably an amazing bacher. He was walking around with a gartel and, and, and a long rectal most of the time. He went to all the Rebbe's dish. He just had a little bit of an issue with the Talmud Chacham every time that passed by. The Gemara is full of stories of Yidin, of Shlokish. I mean, imagine having a B'Shemim Balakish for a son-in-law. He was, he was uh, I think he was one of the most effective robbers that ever existed. Rishim ben Lakish, the great Rishim Lakish that the Rebbe and the and I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm not, I'm not uh, coming to, to teach and to, uh, about Gemara, but yeah, you can't ignore the fact that the Rebbe for some strange reason, did not choose to hide Rishim ben Lakish's past. There's a message here. The message is that, I'll tell you one thing that I believe Rishim ben Lakish had, he must have had an amazing dad. Whoever Lakish was, he was an amazing, he was a very lucky man, first of all. And he probably hugged the living deras out of this Rabshimim ben Lakish. You know how I know? Because he became Rabshimim ben Lakish. And you don't become Rabshimim ben Lakish without your father's hugs. It doesn't happen. And um, so at that point, what I'm saying, even though it sounds radical, is if the child has reached that level, that, that matzav, that chalil v'chaz, and I don't even want to go to drugs because drugs are so frightening, it's so frightening, it scares, it scares us all, you know, but we got to get down, we have to get down with them, and we got to become a part of them, and we have to love them no matter what, and, and we have to know that the last place in the world that they go is out of your house, no matter how bad that sounds. It sound, and it can be scary because there are times when chairs are turned over and, and they leave five, get up 5 o'clock in the afternoon and go out and party all night and come back 5 o'clock in the morning and they're throwing up and you have to hold their heads over the shower. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you have to hold his head over the shower. He's throwing up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry. But a little effort, a little input at this point in your life and you cannot imagine how it pays off. La Fontara Agra is... is it's not, it's not a platitude. It it's, it's applies mostly with children. Mostly. And if, if, if you see that slide, and it, it's no longer the slide of, of, of like a little uh, kid wearing a small yarmulke or something. It's a slide of a girl or it's a slide of... There's no time at that point anymore to, to, to criticize and to chastise. You get into it. You get, you get down with it. And if Khalil Khas, it's your daughter, and all of a sudden you find out that you're a 16-year-old daughter, is perhaps seeing some 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 19, 20-year-old Khalil Vakas who didn't get hugs from his parents and who chose to reach out to try to hug one of your children, unfortunately. The only way, the only way to fight this is you become your daughter's boyfriend. There is no other way. From that point on, if you care about your health, you care about your happiness, and if you think you're going to close your eyes and this is going to go away, oh my goodness gracious, it's never going to go away. At that point... You, you discover your daughter. Your daughter becomes your date. Hey, it's wonderful. It's legit. It's an incredible thing. You can take your daughter to a restaurant. You can take your 16-year-old to the Marais on a Thursday night. You can hold her hand even. And all your friends could pass you by and say, Wow, this looks strange. What is going on here? 
I know this guy, and he's sitting with, oh, it's his daughter. Well, oh, it looks strange. There is no other braider at that time. You become her boyfriend. There is no better boyfriend for a 15, 16-year-old than her loving father. There's nobody. Nobody can compete. Kings, Caesars, greatest actors in the world. Nobody could compete for a 16-year-old's attention when her father says, do me a favor, I'm looking forward. Thursday night we're going out. We'll walk. We'll walk in Times Square. We'll, we'll, we'll go places. We'll hold hands. The, the guy will disappear. That hugless guy is going to disappear. Guaranteed. It always works. We tried it. We spoke to people that tried it. It goes away. It, it, it completely goes away. And what you'll come out with is a relationship with your daughter that will help her be the greatest life and the greatest mother in her life. And, and, and you want to know something? Don't tell anybody. You come enjoy it. You will enjoy it. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful to, to, to be close to your, to your 16-year-old, 16, 15, 16-year-old daughter who's growing up and she wants to know about life and, and she begins to trust you and to ask you questions about boys. It's the most rewarding thing in the world. And you can, you can use that as an opportunity. If Khalil Khasi begin to see that um, she is spending some time with girls that um, are not appropriate and so on, Become her best friend. Hey, it's, 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 it's so worthwhile. It's so worthwhile. As a summary, because obviously we can talk about this forever and ever. As long as we have kids, we'll be, we'll be talking about these things. But as a summary, when that child, that special child with that amazing neshama that chose you, because he knew that nobody will be able to help him like you, when he starts, quote-unquote, slipping, or what I call challenging, or he starts trying to find where he's going to wind up, and of course this sounds very good, because when somebody's going through it at that point, the last thing he thinks about is that it's a challenge, and that it's this, of course, to him it's the end of, the end of life. You have a choice. Here's the choice. And the choice is a clear choice, by the way. So there's no, don't say that there is other choices. There are no other choices. You have a choice of abandoning, trying to make the kid hide, so that your, the kid, your neighbor with the perfect kids from both sides should not know that unfortunately that you have this terrible thing happening in your home and they are so amazing you have a choice of chasing the kid out not embracing him showing him that that's not the way to behave and that as a 15, 16 year old he has to understand what the zoy, all the different zoyers that scare the living daylights out of all these kids and so on and get rid of him make sure that your other kids don't see him by the way because hey your other kids are going to see him and they're going to get ruined as a result of him and the proof of it is, is that one should put this kid into his family with all these kids together. And again, the one Shalom gives you kaiches and gives the other children the kaiches. There's no question about it. Absolutely. If we, if we didn't believe this, where would, we, where would we be? Anyway, so the choice is to, to abandon the kid Khalid al-Khaz and to let him go and find a place. And I will promise you one thing. The kid will not be abandoned. He will not be abandoned, because before he's done, you will have, there will be nothing in your life that's going to be as important as this kid. Oh, he'll make it important one way or the other. Or you have the choice of choosing the, the level of importance yourself. So you can let him choose the importance, which means he will make sure that he will occupy your life with his issues in such a way that you're never going to be able to hide. Because remember, he chose you, and he will, he's going to keep choosing you. Or you, at that point, embrace love unconditionally. And I say unconditionally, this is very, very hard. Everybody's become the biggest, it's become the most 
uh, everybody, all the Mechanech music, ah, love him unconditionally. What does it mean, love him unconditionally? Most of us don't even understand love him unconditionally. Most of us think that our parents loved us conditionally. Oh, we never admit it, but we, we suspect secretly. Had we done this thing, our parents would have thrown us out. Because if we were sure that our parents would not have thrown us out, then why would we even think of throwing our kid out? Obviously, we have these issues inside, absolutely thinking that, that this is the way we are. So, loving a kid unconditionally means there are no neighbors anymore. It's over. I'm sorry, you lost your neighbors. You, you, you have lost the right to those neighbors. And, and it's, it's unfortunate. It would have been nice for you to have the exact same story with the neighbors, but I'm sorry, it didn't happen. You are going to close ranks, and you will be this kid's father, friend, neighbor, advisor. It, but in a way, not as a monitor, not as I'm going to watch you so that the kid will say, hey, get away from me, I don't want to be near you. Really, truly love you, and I'm telling you one thing. If somebody would ask me, what's the definition of a kid? In Webster's Dictionary, it probably says a kid is a being that is extraordinarily sensitive to the true, true condition of love of his parents. That's what a kid is. A kid is a, a machine that knows clearly whether his parents love him conditionally or not. That's all he knows. Before he becomes a doctor, before he becomes a lawyer, or a Talmud Chochem, or whatever, whatever it is that we want for our kids, or what they want for ourselves, hopefully, what they want for themselves, um, they are, first and foremost, the most sensitive to, to, to your love to them. That's amazing. You know, we sometimes try to hide and we think that we can't. And we can hide anything from them. The one thing we cannot hide from them, they will know in our hug, when the kid's not doing well and you give him a hug, he will know if it's a real hug or if it's something that you read somewhere. He will know clearly that this is a real hug and you have to really hug him. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you command how do you command somebody to love? You know, it's, it's, it's about Hatzah Shemalakech. It says we have to be misbeinen in a chad and and so on. Well, I got news for you. Your kid is the most important thing in your life, and you have to really develop a love for him. That when you hug him, you really love him because the truth is, he's your child. And if you don't know how to do that, if you've forgotten how to love, then go get help. Find out how to love your child. Find out because if you don't. You know, it, it, it's sad because the, the tsar that comes from, 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 from a child that's not doing well and that's not, that's, that's all, uh, you know, quote-unquote slipping, is, 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 it's, un, it's unbearable. It's unbearable. That pain is unbearable. There's nothing. There's no business. There's nothing in the world that you think that you're happy with that would replace that, what you're going through with a child that's unhappy. So all I'm saying again is, is just love and love them really, and, and, and find out how it is, find out how to love, and because and, and it's, 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 really, it's really the closest thing in the world to you. I mean, there is nobody as close to you as your child. And the reward, ah, the reward is when your child looks at you, and he survived, and he's, he got married, and he, and he will always remember, for what, he'll remember what, what, what you went through with him, it's unbelievable what, what, what they return. There's no greater return in the world. And the one other thing that uh, I would like to mention is that if you had a situation like that with your, with your father, and the truth is really, if Khalid Bechaz, somebody, um, somebody had a father that was difficult, and the father didn't, you didn't get along with him, and he didn't know how to do it, and he alienated you, and somehow you survived, and you got married, and you have kids, and how are you really expected? How does Rosh expect us 
if we have difficult fathers, how does he expect us to go ahead and, and, and to be good Jews? And to, we should get healed from the problems that we have as a result of our parents. And the answer is, kids. The Bible gives us one more chance. That if you had a situation with your parents, and your parents unfortunately either lacked the sophistication or didn't understand or had... Were, were born, were, were come from an era of, of our history which was so difficult for them and, and they just didn't have the time to develop these skills. And uh, they were unfortunately walking around in a world which was so full of hate and so on and they didn't do that for you. Well, the Russian has given us another chance. He's given us children that need our love. And if we develop that love for those children, then we become healed. And all of a sudden, whatever feelings that we have had towards our parents become good again. It's like the most amazing midah can I get midah. The Bible gives us an opportunity to fix the problems that we have with our parents, which is so, so important because so many of us have those problems. The Bible should help us all. Um, it's, all it's amazing, you know. We look back to, to, to the thousands of years of our history and all these Gedolim that lived and all these great Tzadikim and, um, you know, the Tanom were around at a time when there was Beis Amigdash and there was Karbonas and there was Nisim happening all over the place and the Rabbanishlan was so evident everywhere. And it's thousands of years of, of, of nothing, of no, of, of practically, there's no message, there is no, there is no sign that, that, uh, yeah, we have, we have, yeah, we have a tradition, we have our, our, somehow the Torah has survived and has kept us believing and we sacrifice so much to be Jewish, and we, we pay so much tuition, and we, we already, how, much, how, how many of us think, I'll be there, if we didn't have our tuition bills, we'd be able to have that car, and that other house in the mountains that we want, and so on, and we do it all because, somehow, long time ago, somebody made us a promise, that if we could somehow pull out until the end of time, that we'll be the, we'll, we, will, we will be rewarded, and we believe it, all of us believe it, otherwise we wouldn't be here, otherwise, what are we doing, in this, essentially, we're struggling, we're trying to, to, to deal with something which the, the guy Shavelt laughs. What are you talking about? This is um, well, what's the problem? It's not a problem. One, you your child's healthy. What's more important in his? Oh, he has a little, he'll go through a little marriage kite or whatever. The Rajiv should help us that we should, we should, in this, in this, in the, in this chus that we're, we're all trying. Some of us are trying harder, we're try, some of us are trying less, some of us have more problems with our parents, and we don't know how. But the, the, the common denominator is, the, the bottom line is that we're all looking to raise children for a next generation. We want to get them to this next door so they can continue that door like our parents can somehow, with whatever they did right, wrong, they got us here, they got us to this level and we're talking and we're trying to do this for our next generation. And it's, it's the bunch of should help us that, you know, that we should, we should be able to do this and we should have the cycle, we have an internet, we have things now, they're just like unbelievable, like how, like I wonder sometimes, where do we go, how, what are we supposed to do? We can't hide these things from them. I mean, people are coming up, but dead. get out the internet. Get away the internet. Get, get out the television. Get out the videos. Don't. Come on. Who's getting rid of the internet? I know, 99%. But the other 65% is not getting rid of the internet. And they're not getting rid of the videos. And, and, and the kids have friends. And, and it's, it's impossible to raise a kid in a vacuum. So the bunch of should give us the kaychas that we should at least to be able to develop the skills of love and, and to be able to love them and to be close to them and we'll be able to get them through anything, there's no question about it. That if we truly can demonstrate our love for them, then they will be able to go through anything, Mr.